2: I'm your host, Dave Blackman, here with my co-host, Jacqueline Sanders. Hello. And good evening, everyone. So today is Tuesday, and I'm starting – we are starting a new series called Technology Tuesday. Each Tuesday, we're going to have guests on from various areas of technology, uh, environment, developers, coders, uh, hardware engineers, software developers, um, SQL server engineers, uh, storage, SAN storage developers, and network specialists as well. So we're going to have a lot of energy and information for anyone in the IT career field or looking to get into the IT career field. So stay tuned every Tuesday. Stay tuned every day, as a matter of fact, not just Tuesday. But remember, this is what Tuesday is going to be about, technology, hardware, and a little software mixed in as well. So stay tuned with us. So today we have with us Mr. Charles Clark, who's president of the consulting firm ABS, which stands for A Better Solution. Now, ABS has carved out a niche in the industry as a developer, rational tools, IBM rational tools. And Mr. Clark is going to tell us all about his company, and how they leverage those skill sets for his various clients. And uh, Mr. Clark himself has been in the business over 20 years. So, over 17 years as a rational tools developer and 20 plus as just a software developer. I don't mean to say just, but as a software developer. And he's worked for some large companies such as Hitachi, Bell South Applied Technologies, and his own very own ABS. And they have a of clients, and I'm just going to run through a few of them, Intel, Samsung, Kodak, Dell, Boeing, Bank of America, Hitachi, Delta, Disney, Marriott, and Allstate. So that goes to show you that his product and their tools uh, suite of services touches just about every business sector known to man, so to speak. So welcome, Mr. Clark. All right, thank you. I appreciate that,
1: David, and um uh... Thank you for inviting me on the very on the inaugural Technology Tuesday. I assume that means that Bill Gates was not available.
0: And uh, <laughs> nice to
1: be second in line.
0: Well, absolutely. We're going to try to get through this show without Charles breaking us up here. Charles, we, you're off to a good roll already, but <laughs> we're going to hold it together oh. to get through this interview. But <laughs> but we we well, in, I we enjoy some surprises service. for you. Oh, I bet you do uh we we knew what we were in for so but we're but we're excited because uh we like to have fun you know it this is uh, we like to have tech talk but the reason why it's technology express cuz we like to add a little flavor to it or we like to be a little bit bold with it and you fit that that bill quite well so um you know so let's jump right in uh and try to get him before he gets us.
1: okay <laughs> but, i don't want to
0: start a war here now <laughs> oh, but a friendly war, of course, all around the world of technology and stem, but let me start out with talk to us about how you ended up starting your own company.
1: uh, well, see, I graduated from Georgia Tech and then I initially worked for Itachi Telecom for five years and uh as part of that, I started to use a tool called ClearCase, which was owned by Rational at the, um, uh, Atria at the time. Uh, Atria was, put, was merged with Rational for Pure. I mean, merged with Pure, and Atria merged. That form was gobbled up by Rational, and that was gobbled up by IBM. But um, way back then, um, it was Hitachi Telecom. And then, uh, after using, getting my feet wet with ClearCase at that particular time, I went to Bell South Applied Technologies, which you mentioned, and then I went to a company called TBI when I was on. Uh, kind of in a technical pre-sales role i was one of uh, eight consultants uh, but all the consultants had different products and i was actually the only one who didn't have a salesman Uh, but eight months into it i was uh, maybe 60 percent of the consulting business of that firm and i still didn't have a salesman i one day um thinking you know being three weeks into tbi and wondering what in the world um i was going to do since i didn't have they didn't have a salesman for me and i um you know, created a web page, said we did consulting, and then I sent the president of that company, the company I work for, TBI, an uh, email saying that I put this web page up and I'm going to lunch, and if it's a problem, I'll take it down when I come back from lunch. I came back from lunch and he was sitting at my desk. And I thought, okay, I've worked here a good three weeks. It's been a good three weeks. I'm on my way out the door now. Uh, not a problem. And he said, did you say that we do clear-case consulting? And I said, yes. He said, well, we have somebody who wants to you know, to purchase some. Would you come into my office and try to close this deal? And uh, so I got on the phone with a um, company called um, Output Technologies in, a, in Sacramento. And within 20 minutes, you know, we had a deal. And um, so I, I remember reaching out to Nick and saying, "Well, Nick, who gets the salesman's credit? Because you nobody know, salesman got a piece of a very deal." And he said, "I do," meaning him. And he said, "Whenever you want to put some of that big salary at yours at risk, um, you know, then you can get the salesman's commission." And maybe about four months later, um, went into his office, um, put some of that big salary at risk. He said, "How much?" I said, "All of it," and I resigned. Uh, which I really wouldn't have done if they had just not made me go on vacation. Uh, it was December. My best friend wasn't in town. I didn't want to take vacation. They instituted a uh, use your vacation or lose it. So for the first time in my life, I had a three-week vacation with the holiday season that I incorporated and uh, you know made inroads in trying to get my first clients. And then when I came back, I actually resigned. And um, First client was about a half a year's salary. And I realized it was the right decision, and I went on from there. So I started ABS in 1996.
0: Absolutely. So you know, and and kudos to you. I mean, the, the boldness that they, you, you was there when you built the the website uh, because there was a need, and you needed to get your job done. All the way to the boldness of to stepping out there um, with your your first client, seeing that opportunity. Um, and, and going for it. So, so kudos to you um, foremost for that. And then, you know, I really also want to um, acknowledge your sustainability. Um, all these years of being in the IT industry, seeing the, the ups and downs. But uh, we'll, we'll be getting into that more throughout the show. Okay? Yes,
2: absolutely. So,
0: so Charles,
2: uh, you've been able to sustain your business, as Jacqueline said, for quite a while, and you've had quite a rise. Through the industry, coming from uh, various companies and working in several roles, and spe- then specializing in clear case. When you took over or became president of ABS, uh, when you became president of ABS Consulting, what was mm-hmm. the hardest part during the first two years of your presidency? What 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 stood out for you then as uh, one of your biggest challenges there? Well, well, let me restate. The, the phrase took over as president. Uh, when I took over as
1: president, uh, it was me and the company, so uh, it was real easy to manage myself. Um, I remember uh, getting a phone call and someone saying, um, Well, we want a consultant. And I said, Well, there's not one available. And they said, "We well, what if we get you? And I said, Well, that's going to cost a little extra. And I realized that, you know, even though it was just me, I had just negotiated against myself with myself uh, a sweeter deal because. There was the impression that there were other consultants and they weren't available. Uh, so, but within a couple of months, I actually realized I needed to duplicate myself and I actually started hiring. Uh, so, the secret to sustainability um, is I just didn't quit working. You know, there is a, and I'd have to say that it was pretty good in the first couple of years. Usually, businesses, if they're not going to make it, uh, they know so in, in two to four years. I had an amazing first two to four years. Um, the reality is I didn't have a, probably a bad day until right around nine eleven, and then uh and then for 18 months thereafter but the the first two years when you know normally companies struggle we had such a an incredible niche you know with a clear case i was probably the easiest person to find even before i started that as far as answering questions on that particular topic you know when it was an Atria product so um the fortunate part is when people went to look for someone, they found me even before I had a company. So when I started that, you know, the marquee guy basically, you know, you, you put up a website, you know, you say what you do and you large companies can't move so fast. One of the big things that we did in the first years is I could get on the next plane. You know, uh, if you called and you had a problem and you called, you know, Atria, who at the time owned, you know, the rational brand, and they might say, Well it's two weeks from now or you called me, I say I'm headed toward the airport, you know, you get the PO ready and you fast it to my office, and, you know, as long as it's there before I get on the plane, I'll get on the plane. You know? So, you know, being able to, you know, before agile was a term, being able to be that agile, you know, to be that dynamic and get on the next plane probably had a lot to do with initial success, uh, as you know, just as much as having, you know, the knowledge that I did. I came at a good time uh, when – you know, when you're fortunate enough to be the expert in product, and the product is very, very new in its cycle, and it's a good enough product that it's sold worldwide, um, you really do have an opportunity uh, to grow. in it. initially, the diff- most difficult part of growing was um, finding the right people fast enough. Uh, we always had work. First couple of years, it was how fast can I do it and how fast can I duplicate myself?
2: Well, wow, that's fantastic. And I congratulate you on the success that you have had. And let me just tell our listening audience also that ABS Consulting is a a vendor, a preferred vendor of the government and uh government federal related uh industries and organizations. So, he is a, a very trusted company and I congratulate you on that job. I appreciate
0: it. it. And I want to say to our audience, we're talking with Charles Clark. He is the founder of A Better Solution. You can find that at www.abs-consulting.com. Um and, and so let me ask you, you found that, that niche around kind of the rational tools and consulting and, and product and, and training. Um, and, and so let me ask you, over the years, Things are changing in IT constantly. And um, did, did you ever have a time like when you were second guessing or thinking about what direction to go in and, and next? How do you kind of stay the course? Because that that goes back to that sustainability. Um, was there ever? And I know you said like around nine eleven, it probably got a little nerve wracking. But um, mm-hmm. is what, what, what was what's your secret?
1: <laughs> well, the uh, outside of just the hard work you have. Everyone would love to be able to make a decision today based on information that you gain when you make the decision and it doesn't go well. So I, from life and from business, have never really regret the things that I've done, even when they didn't work out exactly the way that I wanted. If I made my best effort and I made it with the information that I had at the time, uh, for me, the regret has always been if I didn't try something. You know, um, and then I would think about that for a long time. So, as things were coming up, there isn't a lot that I would change. Um, there's a lot that I wish I knew in advance, and I might change, you know, a little bit or just prepare myself more for it. Um, even the things that happened bad like during 9/11, there was an 18 month period. I mean, it was a horrible day. People lost their lives and families were affected. You know, but for me personally, on the on September 10, um, the Treasury called. And we were going to sign a contract the next day. So I woke up. Um, Delta Airlines was sending $6,000 a day of training to our facility, you know, in uh, in Noonan at the time. Not one person made it to the front door. Delta recalled everybody, um, so that evaporated. I couldn't get the treasury on the phone for weeks. Um, I had another client; uh, it evaporated. So all of a sudden, I had 12 uh, engineers sitting, and instead of things coming in, there was no- there was literally nothing coming in, and it happened overnight. So. You know, you lost three clients. One client said yes, but there were no planes flying, so I couldn't continue anyone there. I had another client you know, end the contract that day. Uh, I had engineers in another city, you know, still in a hotel, still renting the car that I was paying for. I was literally bleeding money uh, at that particular time, time. But even with that, just, uh, there was a time the accountant was saying get rid of people, and I didn't, and I wouldn't even take that back, um, all the difficulties that I went through, because I have the most amazing group of consultants now, loyal to the T. And some of it because they think, you know, they, they would say, oh, you're a hero. He, I didn't take the pink parachute out. Well, if I had known it was going to be as bad as it was, I might have you know, fired him like the accountant said. So I, I told them one day, I'm not the hero they think I am. I just wasn't smart enough, fast enough to get rid of him. Um, but given the fact that we did keep them and <laughs> we got through it, the greater bunch of people uh, you'd never want to you know you could never imagine being involved with you know a group this good and this core and i've known them all for so long and we've been through so many things together um now when again when things are going great you know we're making great for everybody so even the things that i did i'm not sure i changed them because you know they when the forest is there you're you know you're you're cursing you're swearing you're gnashing your teeth and then when you get through it you know you Everyone says you're a little wiser, but you hate that when you're going through it. But the reality is it was kind of true. So the, the things that happened, I wouldn't change them um, uh, too much because you never know where you are if you change things, you know, an awful lot. You think you want to win the lottery, uh, but then maybe you're standing in front of the wrong bus uh, as you pick up the ticket you know, or as you pick up your winnings. So, you know, you just never know. So I wouldn't do an awful lot differently, um, but if I, if you had to pin me on something, maybe uh, – uh, we have some products, Clear Trigger and Clear Replica, that are now almost reaching end of life. But the reality is they sold for a lot longer than I anticipated, you know, twelve years. Uh, uh we've had these products that add on to you know, to a rational brand. And a lot of repeat business where companies are growing and they're getting more products and you wish um you know, you wish when they you know, you did even more marketing then because the repeat, I mean, it's it's amazing the repeat business. You know, talking like a Lockheed Martin or a company of that ilk, they buy one license then at 3000 a license. Now, you know, they've bought 12 licenses since then or 100 licenses. And it just, if you wish that, you know, you could have told people earlier how wonderful the product was, you know, and get even more of a swell because definitely soft, selling software when things did get bad after nine eleven, that's what got us through it. Uh, because software doesn't ask for 401K, it doesn't ask for vacation, it doesn't say, boss, I'm sick today, I'm not coming to work. It just sells itself, and you can use that money to pay for engineers that were sitting, and that literally got us through that period. You know, the the two years before writing software on weekends and when I should have been, you know, relaxing during the holiday, that software actually got us through that period because that software kept revenue coming in, um, you you know, so I could pay people to sit and, you know, pay to get over you know that period. You know in the company's life,
0: absolutely, it wouldn't,
1: wouldn't change
0: much. And, and you know um, that that actually validates some of the things that we've been saying to our audience. First of all, um, again, going back to um, some of the things, you you have to be um, comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes, and kind of lean into your discomfort. And it sounds like you know sometimes it's like a roller coaster. Especially being a, a owner and having employees that you have to um, tend to as well, in that that payroll, and uh, but you have to hang in there. And and I like the fact that um, everyone. I think when you t- you have to take some risks, and with those risks, sometimes there's going to be things that don't turn out exactly as planned. But with you, just even your your mindset and your attitude towards them, you seem like you just kept your your eye looking forward and, as you said, not looking back and keep taking one step after another. And it, it's really worked out for you. So so congratulations to you, uh, you. on many levels.
1: That's, well, that's pretty much how so, it worked out. Like you said, I, I wouldn't quit. But I, just so that we know, I'll put it out there. I did have an exit B strategy, a ticket to Thailand one way. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was prepared. Because <laughs> you can't wait until things get really bad to get that ticket. It's going to cost too much. You have to get that ticket in advance. And, uh, you know, just in case, better to sell, better to get it when it's cheap and sell it back than to get it on the last day.
2: Absolutely. Well, well, luckily for you, uh, you didn't need that. You guys have, you, you and your team have been very successful almost right out of the gate. However, uh, yes, adversity is good. And uh, one of our, Jacqueline mentioned one of our cliches, which was lean into our discomfort. And that's, that's how you do it. And, uh, you, you know, you need adversity and you need challenges. You only get better from those. So now we we talked about the challenges a bit there. So what successes stick out to you? And uh, I guess this might be another opportunity for you to gush about your team. <laughs> what What's some of the uh, proudest moments for yourself or uh, ABS, please?
1: Well let's see for me um one of the broadest moments is uh I wasn't even there to witness it um there was a conference in two thousand two I received the inaugural uh clearcase superstar award community superstar award uh, unfortunately they i they didn't. it was supposed to be a surprise to me, so I wasn't at the uh, uh at the event because i was uh, uh, helping out a client who was at the conference as well. Literally I'm getting all these texts and everything and where are you? I'm supposed to be at this speaker. Oh, no one told me where I was supposed to be. Where? why am I supposed to be there? And I'm getting texts from friends um that indeed uh, or phone calls and indeed, you know, you should be here, you're getting an award. And I'm like, wow, I wish someone had told me. There's that award. Um the for some things being proud of, just being in business, you know, this long and having that team again, I mean there's um there was a uh, time uh, growing up where your your contemporaries are people who were born when you were born and your peers are people who have done what you've done. And a lot of times they're in the same age bracket, but for me there was, it was quite different because I had a lot of my contemporaries were people who were, that were older than me or people that had, I'm sorry, my contemporaries were people of my age, but the people who had done what I had done generally was older. So I had a I I could see into the future and realize that at some point in time uh, my peers who were uh, older than me were going to retire and uh, move to different islands and I was going to have this, you know, maybe a 10-year gap. Uh, and my father put me to the side and said, hey, listen, uh, take the people who are your age that you like and turn them into monsters. And my team is a team literally of, of monsters. They're good at what they do. You know, you've got the Robert Carters and Scott Lewan who's, you know, um, uh, retired already You know, from ABS. So you're just talking about people who you know, were my age, and I look for talented people, you know, in the travels when I was, you know, the, within the first years, and I got a fair bit of that team uh, from, you know, who were clients. I waited for them to leave, you know, where they were and go somewhere else before I took them, of course. I'm not going to put it on record that I took any yeah, took any employee from any current client, um, but I've got a great team of people, um, and that's probably, you know, the thing I'm uh, most proud of, that we uh, enjoy each other, work hard together, and rely on each other. And you couldn't pull them, you know, you know, no large or small company could pull them away from us. They couldn't wave any money at them. They couldn't say, "Well, we've got this benefits package, this that, and the other." They're like, "Nope, been there, done that. I'm not going to do it again." You know, we even have a, a and uh, one of our guys, Robert, worked there for six years. Then he went to IBM for four, and he's back been at back at ABS for uh, the past four. You know. To go from a, you know, a small company then to the largest company, one of the largest companies in the world, and then for them to come back says something you know right then and there. So hey, I liked it you know there. Uh, everything was good there, and I'm going to go back there. And he, and he did, and we, you know, he was going to be uh, the new guy to sit in my chair, I'm sure, one day. And now I'm going to relax myself, and I uh, tell him to send me checks. Well, I'm on our island, uh, and he runs the show. But until then, it's mine,
2: and uh, he's
1: going to have to wait his time.
2: <laughs> well, congratulations once again. And, by the way, that conference you missed, I was there, and uh, you got a set of golf clubs, and I have them. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to come to your house. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Everyone, we're speaking with Charles Clark, president of consulting firm ABS a Better Solution. And you can visit his website at www.abs-consulting.com or in the show, in our show's uh, window here, uh, that website is there as well. So go out there, take a look at him and the company, and see what they can do for you, Jacqueline.
0: So let me let's let's talk about ABS and and for our, our listeners, because we have a range of listeners all the way to interns in college looking for their next their their career field, their career path, and that's one of the things that IT is so broad. You like David talked about earlier on Tech Tuesday from the hardware to software. So how would you how do you explain to to people who ask what it is ABS does and, and what does the, the rational software what does that actually do? Can you can you share with our audience? It can be
1: tough, but I think I'll give it a shot. I mean we're We we work in the CM space, or the the software configuration management space. Um, When my mother asked me what software I work on, I said not the software that you're used to seeing, but the software that the software developers use to write that software. That's what we focus on. So you're talking uh, ClearCase or Rational Team Concert, uh, which is you know configuration management, version control. You have defect tracking, which is ClearQuest, uh, the legacy tool ClearQuest, and Basically, all the Rational brand covers software development tasks. We, um, you know, defect tracking at the end, software development in the middle, um, requirements tracking and gathering, you know, in the in the beginning, and deployment with newer tools like Urban Code and Urban Deploy now. So you want to the the whole software cycle uh, is a series of tools and a series of methodologies. You know, from you know, the defects are. The, Hopefully, the last thing you work at, you know, after you know, last bit of testing before it goes out the door. And of course, there's you know, usually some defects found in the field. And then on the, on the far end of that, there's requirements gathered. You know, what does the what does the software need to do next, and how are we going to package you know a select group of uh, features and put them together, and then you know, put that out for a date sometime in the future. Uh, for this particular product. So, you know, you have people out there who are, you know, listening and writing requirements because maybe they're talking to clients and they get those together and they package features sets together and they say, okay, we're going to put this in release seven and we're going to put this in release eight. And then it goes to the, the team that has to do the software development. and They have to take those requirements and make sure that as they're writing that code that it goes back to something, you know, so that everything is moving in the right in the same direction. Um, because it's better to keep everyone moving in the same direction at a moderate pace than it is to go off uh, at a very fast pace in different directions. So the whole software development lifecycle needs to be controlled end-to-end, and their Rational has a series of tools that handles each uh, one of those uh, little areas, and we have some tools that add on to those tools as well. Um, but we do the consulting and the training on those tools, our tools and Rational grant tools. And uh, the the you know, installations, firefights, system down situations, uh, training, uh, just in time training, uh, you know, uh, revamp training, uh, custom training, and out of the box training. So, I would say that we're software consultants in that in that realm, and we have uh, we do training, and we have our own uh, products as well. So, consulting, training, and product support, and development. I mean, you can't do what we do if you're not able to. Uh, touch several languages, so we're SCM specialist or uh, software development and life cycle specialist in automation, and to uh, make the whole process better, so you can have 20 developers uh, working on something and they're not stepping on each other's toes, and the things that they're working on are actually things that were requested by the requirements, and when and when you're testing, you're testing to make sure that those requirements are satisfied, and you're packaging that and you're automating the deployment so that the software that you wrote and you push out the door is indeed, you know, what you intended. So you want to speed the cycle up so that, you know, you get to market faster, but you also want to make sure that what you have is what you, you know, what you desire to have.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And there's a lot of moving pieces to software development. So tools like the, the Rational Suite, when you talk about requirements and management requirements, my ears perk up being a business analyst and managing that software development life cycle. David's ears started twitching because he's a project <laughs> manager. So we, we can completely relate to that. And then you as an organization, um, you took a, a solid uh, product and, and toolkit and then value add and having your own suite of products that complement that um, and then providing those additional services to your um, um, Clients, so there's one stop for them uh, when they're looking for that that type of support and, and implementation and training around the the tool. So again, all part of that success formula. So, uh, David, yes,
2: what's name? absolutely. Thank you, Jacqueline. Now, uh, Charles, you've come up through the ranks, so to speak, as coming from a software developer down there, developing code, writing code, and moving up the ladder. Through the corporate ladder and running that gauntlet, and now you're at the top of the chain almost uh and and transition to a business type role and engaging clients when when you're working with clients in your spec in your area when mm-hmm. do you know you cannot support a client and how do you deliver bad news or uh uh protect against Setting unrealistic expectations with potential clients. Well, first of all, you you try never to, live, to deliver
1: bad news. You, we'd all like to be in a spot where there was only good news, but like you say, in this field, that's impossible. You know, sometimes clients even call me in to deliver bad news. You know, they uh, a manager or director might want to um, take a, a, the right approach, but an unpopular approach with their developers. Because as a software developer, I can tell you, as a group, we're aggressive. Um, And we don't want anything to slow us down. We think we can do it it, it all and everything. So tools that are designed to make all the developers get on the same page are almost always fought against by those same developers because it's not going to help me with my Monday deadline if I have to learn some software. So I'll ask you to install it on Tuesday. But then when you come back to my desk on Tuesday, I have another Monday deadline next week that I don't want you to interfere with. So I'm going to fight you all the way. And so uh, – but you eventually have to give bad news. And like I said, I'm sometimes paid to give that news because I'm there and I can give the bad news and I can leave. Whereas that director, he doesn't want to give the bad news because he has to be there. So um, when you're given bad news, and evidently that happens, even if it's, you know, you go into a two-week assignment and find out that there's four weeks' worth of work there, you know, some information wasn't given to you or, uh, you, know, that, you know, that you could put into the scoping plan – The key thing is to tell the truth. Um, You know, when you go into the doctor's office and he says, uh, you're not going to be there long, it's not going to cost a lot, and it's not going to hurt. Inevitably, you're there for a long time. It hurts like hell, um, and it costs a fortune. Um, I just tell him up front, I walk in, and I say, listen, this is where you are in your software development. This is where you want to go. This is when you want to do it. It's not going to happen. This is what we can do for you. It's going to be hard. It's gonna hurt a little bit and it's gonna cost more than you wish. You know, in some instances, I'm like I said, we're delivering bad news here. But when it's all said and done, you are gonna fall in love with me and wanna kiss me on the mouth. But not tomorrow. But six weeks from now you're gonna to wanna to kiss me on the mouth. So you tell them when you give me the bad news and say, But there is you know, there is another side. We're gonna get you by you know, we're gonna get you by. It's not terminal news. Uh, This software development team is not going to die of cancer, but you're going to get sick. You you have a cold. There's no cure except to go through the process. We're going to get you through the process. The news is not great, but the news ends well. Well, Wow. All you can do is tell Uh, them the truth. And if if you know in advance there's no end that's going to end well, then um, say that up front and walk out and try to get your check up front.
2: Well, I, I know I know what you're talking about, and and you hit a lot of key points there. Actually, uh, as a project manager, I like delivering the bad news. If there's bad news, I want to deliver it because I I make it a habit of studying in what I call the psychology of project management, and I feel I'm the best person to deliver bad news on any team. So I revel in that moment, <laughs> and uh, great way to great way to handle that, Charles Jacqueline.
0: Wow, there there's some unique moments tonight. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let those go. I'm just going to let those go. I'm sure our audience is still going to be saying, did he say that his customers want to kiss him on his mouth? Yeah. Okay, so we'll marinate on that for a minute. But in the meantime, I'm going to ask that. I'm going go to go into it. I, I want to talk about you've already complimented that you have a very talented team. You know, there's a lot of people out there. And, and sometimes it's difficult picking out good talent. Um, especially when you have a good team, and then you're you're introducing. Talk about kind of how you grew into the team. You got how you you found them, and what what it was you kind of were looking for as as you started growing a team. Because sometimes you can bring in just the wrong person, and it can disrupt a team. So, what are some of your your secrets in amassing the right team? Uh, well,
1: finding the talent and first um, a lot of times companies that are in the position of us you know like when you're you know um, when someone pulls you on site and you're solving fires as a consultant uh, sometimes you get a contract or you call them headhunters they get the contract and then they go looking for the people uh, to, you know who will do it for less than what it is that they're getting paid and you know they'll try to get the if they get something for a hundred an hour on a, a commitment from a client for 150 an hour let's say then they're going to try to find someone who will do it for 60 an hour well the problem is with that is if someone's worth only 60 an hour and you put them in front of a client that's paying 150 an hour, you're built in disappointment. And so uh, we don't have anyone on the team who doesn't have at least 10 years of hands-on experience with a rational brand. Uh, we have architects and senior architects and, and you we know, you have a small team of just consultants, but those consultants have 10 to 12 years you know, of rational tools experience. So part of our secret is, our niche is to—we're not the, the low end group. We don't have low-end people. You know, if you come and you're looking for sixty-dollar-an-hour help, you know, I, I can give you a list of people. It's not us. Um, you know, you know, when you say you need a clear case expert, or when you need an RTC expert, uh, more experts cost, and sometimes they'll say, "Well, we just need someone who can do this." I say, "Well, you don't need an expert. Um, if, you, if you need a grunt, you should say you need a grunt." You know, when you call us, we're the only people who that I in my field that actually put their prices on the website, you know, instead of having force you to talk to a salesperson, you know, we don't want certain calls and saying this, we know what it is that we do. Uh, if you go to that, that same website, you select the rational resources. You'll see, you know, about 20 or so resumes, of, and each one of them is home run hitter. You know, you look at that, and say, oh, I want this guy. And then you look at the next resume and say, oh, no, I want this guy. Then you look at the next one, oh, I want this guy. And after a while, you're realizing any one of these guys, you know, will work for me. And, so you you pick from a talented pool, and then you give them, as far as keeping them and retaining them, uh, you give them exciting things to do. Uh, you pay them well. And, you know, ABS is a consulting company run by a consultant, so all the rules are consultant-centric and friendly. You know, um, the, the when when they're hired, we know if they want, if their job is to get on the next plane, if they're a firefighter, or if their job is to go somewhere for six months, and we know that if someone's going somewhere for six months, it's not only important that they're on board with that and they know where the travel rigors are and uh, but that, you know, the spouse or significant other knows as well. So, you know, if there is one, we communicate with him or her and we say, you know, are are you on board with what's about to happen? You know, if the person's coming from another company and they're not used to traveling and they want, you know, the the travelers, those who get on the next plane, well they make them they make the most here. They're firefighters, you know, the kind of people that you could drop from a plane into a forest fire, um, they're going to come out having cooked their food along the way, and the fire's out. And, and, they're, and they're not even asking to be fed because they, you know, they they handled that while they were in there. So you pick talented people, uh, you give them interesting things to do, and then when there's nothing that they're doing, you know, will uh, have them come into the office and do busy work. Your job is to, when you come back from an assignment, uh, you do your expense report so that I can invoice the client. Uh, and you rest and wait for the bell to ring again.
2: and uh,
1: you know, you don't get a lot of mundane tasks just because, you know, I'm paying you to keep you busy. Your, your task is to be fresh. So when the bell rings, um, you know, you're ready to get on the next plane you know, and do what it is that you need to do. Um, not saying that mistakes weren't made, uh, we had one engineer. Uh, we used to um, – and – Take the whole the whole team. I mean, that's everyone in the company. And there's significant hours we go on a cruise. We went to Cozumel. We went to Jamaica, and you know, we've had really good times. And on one particular cruise, uh, one of my uh, consultants was uh, the one person that I hired uh, that we ever had to get rid of uh, at, at ABS. And uh, in the 18 years, we've had one person that we had to say, you know what, this is this is not for you, or we're not for you. this person was gambling. And I said, hey, slow down, you know, you don't have to. I was waiting at the table, they were not I said, like, slow down. He tried that's oh, no problem. Well, the reason it was no problem is because he was, you know, using an ABS credit card uh, to get that money. So I um, came back from the trip realized that, hey, something's not right here. <laughs> and that was the that was the last of that individual. But outside of that, you know, we're getting 1,000 in that. We've always found good people uh, who really enjoyed working with one another it's not just the technical piece. Uh, we've had people that technically fit the bill, but at ABS, it's assumed that when I, you know, when I'm interviewing someone, that at this point, if this person, you know, gets on a team, at some point in time, I might be in a city with them, you know, where we're in the hotel, going to a client site for a month, and this is literally the, you know, the only person that I know in the small town. And I want to make sure that I can get along with that person. So, in addition to being travel ready and technically ready, um, you know, they might interview with three or four ABS people, and part half of that interview is, could you? Is when I asked the ABS person, could you work with this person side by side for a month in a small town where you, you know, where you're sharing a rental car and going back and forth to hotel every day? And if the answer is no, it's not. The, it's not the person for us. You know, because every single person that's on a team needs to be prepared to spend significant time with another person on a team in a location that they're not really familiar with, you know, if, you know, in, in most instances. So it's not, you know, I don't want the team dynamics destroyed. It's like having a, a baseball locker room. You know, you can sometimes have a superstar that destroys your team. Um, and if you don't pay attention to locker room dynamics, is this person good for the team you know, in the you know, in the locker room or outside, are they, are they causing a distraction? You know, we see all these things in the papers all the time sometimes with athletes, and the reality is if you do, you know, you have to consider that. So we consider that on this team, not just your technical skills, but, you know, you know your interpersonal skills, not just with a client, but with each other. Because, you know, you have to be able to, you know, work side by side in the trenches, you know, with your ABS brother and sister, and if you don't like working with that it, that person, it makes it difficult to work. So, you know, part of that interview process is to determine, could I go drinking with this person? You know, um, could I do a three-hour car, car ride to Alabama with this person and not want to shoot myself?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess that's the consulting world uh, for you. And that's a great segue into our next uh, question, which was, uh, you know what are some of the skill sets that you're looking for when you're interviewing? I don't know if you're uh, stepping on your HR toes, but uh, if you're actually doing the interviewing or not, but uh, eventually you're going to have to make a decision about whether to bring someone on. So what are the specific skill sets that you look for?
1: Well. There was a time when I actually focused a lot personally on during the interview of that the skill sets they have to be I can say from a company perspective they have to have a lot of experience in a rational tool set and this this is not we're not the kind of organization that someone could come straight from college and come work for us it's it's just unfortunate um, because no one no one says you know I need to pay. $1,500 Fifteen hundred a day or two thousand dollars a day for, to crush a fire, and the person straight out of college and has never been in fires. You know, it's, it's a requirement to be in fires. You know, it's someone. There's a big difference between three years of experience in one shop where you're doing the same thing every. You know, and you learn one way, and two years of experience in six shops because you're, you know been fighting fires and you know six ways to do something. So you want to know that they have some experience in different. Organizations potentially, um, but I personally uh, punt the technical piece to other members of my architect team. My, when when we set our eyes on someone and we find the people, and then look for the opportunities as opposed to getting an opportunity and trying to find someone fast. So it might be a three or four month process. We identify someone. I have a conversation with them about those soft skills that I spoke of earlier. You know, uh, what's your travel schedule like? Do you... Do you want to come on board as a trainer, uh, someone who goes somewhere for six months, six to 18 months somewhere? Do you want to relocate? Or do you want to be someone who gets on the next plane and might make three out-of-town trips or four out-of-town trips a month, but then they're home, you know, between relaxing and they can, you know, because that's, that's a certain kind of mindset. Uh, as That's very different than a person who goes somewhere for six months and they know, you know where they're going. So we find out, you know, what role they're going to play. We make sure, I mean, I find out what role they're going to play, and then I make sure that, you know, that we talk about us and say, are you going to like this? Because just like I graduated from Georgia Tech, and one of the first things they taught us is when you're interviewing, it's going both ways. So I let them know. I said, listen, you know, what do you want to know about us? You, know, you should be interviewing me too. You should be finding out if you want, you know, to partner up with ADS. So we have that discussion and I find out, you know, yes, I think I could, you know, if if I was stuck with this person for six months, you know, somewhere um, in, in Huntsville, it wouldn't be so bad. Um, yes, they understand what it's like to travel, and they're not going to, um, you, know, um, you know, lose their mind um, the, the first time a luggage is late. Um, I get those things out of the way, and then, because I have their resume in front of me, and I can, you know, I can see that they have the skills. You know, they should have the skills. Um, but if they get past that part, the soft part, then actually um, Robert or someone else on my architect team will actually do the technical vetting. Um, but I know that that goes around, you know, the rational tool set. You know, there are several tools, and he knows most of them, and he will quiz them on them and, you know, find out what they know. Then, if they pass Robert and he says "You know he also doesn't mind you know and, and could work across you know across town with him or across the country for a month or so uh, then uh, we bring him on board
2: fantastic fantastic uh, and as you as you said, this is not um." uh, uh th- For those uh, week of heart, consulting is a rough game, and there are a lot of obstacles outside of coding that you have to be prepared for and flexible mm-hmm. um and and able to think on your feet and and handle such uh, incidents such as late luggage at an airport you're still mm-hmm. you still have a arrival date at the client's location, so you really got to think on your feet there. Well, he, he exactly. It doesn't it.
1: matter that you have, the client doesn't care that your flight was late and you just got on it at the, uh, and you had to wait, you know, four hours in Poughkeepsie, and you showed up at nine o'clock. They're expecting you to be fresh, you know, and engaging, um, and and to give them some knowledge that they don't have. If you're standing in front of in front of twenty other intelligent people. when you know you're when you're given a class or when you're a seminar or when you're trying to fight a fire or something, these are intelligent people, and Intelligent people, when they when you're out number twenty to one or even three to one, um, they can make for a bad day. If you if you're having a bad day, they're going to make it worse. You know, and if, yes. and if you're <laughs> giving them good information and you're helping them, they're going to they're going to want, on top of everything else, to pay your fee. They're going to want to take you to dinner. You know, I have seen where I have gone somewhere didn't touch a keyboard, um, and charge an exorbitant fee. You know, because it was cold and I didn't want to go there. <laughs> You know, you know, there's been a different price for San Diego in the summertime than there is for New York in the wintertime. You know, I didn't necessarily want to go, um, you know, but the, you know, but I went there, and you're talking, you know, uh, multi-thousand a day, and they still want to take you to dinner. Um, so that's when you know you've done a good job. But that could have been a horrible, a horrible day if you let mm-hmm. the fact that you know you had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to catch a six a.m. flight in order to get there at nine. Um, and face traffic, and you took the wrong cab. You man- you managed to make it there one minute early. Um, none of that can show when you walk in the door. None of it. Absolutely. You know, they're not they're yeah. not paying for that.
2: Absolutely. And they're actually they're looking to see how you perform under those type of pressures. They know you went through those adversities, and they want to see you rise above those on the front end and let them know that their company is in good hands. Great point.
3: Yeah, I once
1: I once was teaching a class and the power went off, and I just ah. kept on going. <laughs> you know, we had just wow. enough sunlight coming in, and I went to the whiteboard and I kept on going. Then when the power came back on, I picked up like nothing had happened. Went right back to the other board and started going. And when you do the evals after the class, that's all they said. He never stopped. <laughs> he just acted like yeah. it was part of the plan. Like 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 power dropping. I I actually rolled it into my example. Um, you know, the power going out, I wove that into my explanation of what I was talking about. And it is like, did he plan that? <laughs> Just got to keep going.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Well, that, that's why you are a better solution than all everyone else because, you know, and, and I like what you said. You are a consultant. So you can relate to the consultants, mm-hmm. whether it's in the interview process, bringing them on on the team. Um, nurturing them and giving them what they thrive on because those who like that that kind of energy or used to that type of energy, they thrive on those type of things. So they like those challenges. They like their downtime, but after a while they get that itch and it's ready to get back on that road, you know, those those road warriors. So um I, I still have a I, – I came from a consulting background, still have that. uh like to get out on that road every now and then because um, – that's where you, for me, it's almost like that's where the real world is. You know, I don't want to sit behind a desk. Um, I got to get out in the the real world, so to speak. And, um, you know, like you said, every time you got to stand up in front of a client, it's all brand new. You, you constantly got to be thinking on your feet. So um, that that's that's really uh, awesome that you've built that, that team um, and, and found that talent. But let, let's, let's talk about, from your perspective, as kind of sitting at the helm of this and driving this um who are or you know through time, maybe it's changed who are your role models or your advisors and and how do you just know if you're on the right course what what are some of the things that you do to kind of nurture yourself to as you you plan for what's next
1: well i'm I'm pretty fortunate in that regard, and that I had a built in one in my family and uh, you know my my parents but my dad specifically he is you know someone has had a lot of businesses in fact I worked for him when I was younger he's worked for ABS you know as he got older you know um, there's someone who's uh, is familiar with selling real estate insurance uh, you know uh, going to Mexico getting art coming back and selling it on the street corner you know selling uh, um, uh, what do you call knives and forks or utilities or cutlery, you know, all, all kinds of things. You're talking about someone with a vast amount of experience who can talk to, you know, the president of companies. He can talk to homeless people. He's an amazing person, and I had that model. Uh, not everyone is as fortunate uh, to do that, but, you know, and, and it doesn't. It stretches beyond business, though he can always speak to anything, you know, uh, in business because, he's, you know, he's still running businesses. Um, he has the ability uh, to communicate and to dissect information, and I was fortunate enough to get that passed down, or maybe he just knew what he was doing. I mean, when most people were 10 years old and watching Saturday morning cartoons, I was getting up at 530 in the morning, loading the van, going to the flea market. And I know we didn't need to go to the flea market, you know, to sell stuff because he had a job, that you know, a business that was successful. Uh, that was a lot of father and son time. That was a lot of time where he was, you know, somebody would come up and he would tell me what they were going to say before they said it. Um, and I would learn how at a very early age to communicate in an adult fashion. That's a whole other story. I would get in trouble at school, not realizing I was coming off as you know smarter, smart alecky. I wouldn't be a smart alecky. I just you know I talked like an adult. I don't mean cursing or swearing. I just I had an adult vibe, and it would get me in trouble sometimes. I mean, when you're in third grade, you really shouldn't um, say something to your third grade teacher like "dear heart." You shouldn't call her dear heart. It'll get you in trouble every time. But because he had called people dear heart and princess, and it worked, and I saw what, what I saw, and I patterned myself. I thought I could use those words until, you know, she made it clear that I shouldn't call her dear heart or princess, you know, in third grade. And, um, but, I, you know, life lessons learned. It happens. And uh, so I had those good role models in my family, um, you know, from I had a couple um, professionally people that – I looked at you know I, there's a uh, uh, there's Mark at, um at at uh, Hitachi um, there's a couple there's just a couple of people at every place that I went to you know Bell South Applied Technologies, the Cage McLaughlin you, you take some significant people and you watch them do significant things and you ascertain where that success came from. And you try to apply those lessons, and if you don't understand how it happened, you ask questions, and you, you know, get that information, and you listen, and you apply those lessons. So, um, you know, I couldn't name many people outside of my father but I, that took a major role in shaping how I look at things, but I can definitely name someone in every place that I've been to for a slightly less significant but still significant, you know, role, lesson learned. And for me, it's been and that in the fear of failure, you know um I don't wanna um i wouldn't like would not like to be homeless and poor, so that is always driving me
2: uh, to do better absolutely good point good point um i I, I want to shift for a second here and 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 talk about a b s and 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 your advertising and marketing strategy um and there's and there's a big drive right now as everyone knows um in social media and engaging social media and and clients and uh businesses are using and leveraging social media as well how do you how does a b s uh leverage Social media um, in the business, and to what extent?
1: Uh, we're growing uh, in that in that regard. We have uh, ABS has a Facebook presence, uh, facebook.com/slash a better solution ABS, and we have a, a Twitter account, uh, Twitter slash ABS Consulting. And you know, we've got uh, we started. Um, automating and, you know, reading, the the reading and retweeting and, tw- and tweeting of things to we have still a small amount, uh, a little over uh, 1,000 followers, but, you know, you're talking about a concerted effort of about two months and, you know, and then removing, you know, um, not, you know, following everyone. We want to make sure that we are, you know, looking at things and retweeting things that are relevant, you know, to those we would want to look at us. You know, so it's not important to have 10,000 followers if half of them are, you know, uh, 15-year-old boys looking for 15-year-old girls. You know, that's of that's no value to me. A uh, thousand followers where they're looking for, you know, IBM rational specific services or products. Well, that that means something. That's a thousand, you know, pieces of gold there.
3: Right? So
1: recognizing that and recognizing that things are, are leaning away from the, uh, the advertising of the past on the search engines, let's say, and and you know, in my field, it's tough to have printed media because uh, printed media has a, a geographical bounds usually. You know, you if you have a, a cookie sale, you know, you can put printed media and you can you know you get, you're going to get people from within a, a five block radius, so it doesn't really make sense to advertise in Japan. Now we, of course. Would advertise you know in Japan because I've been to Japan you know for ABS and you know in fact two or three of us have uh, have been to South Korea so you know when someone's looking and they go to social media and they say I need a consultant and they look and they see what we've done or they go to Google and they search for you know rational tools consultant and we come up they say oh they don't know where we are or care they say I need a consultant and that they click on that and they you know say I need a consultant to come. Help us out. I don't initially know if they're in Atlanta, you know, where I personally reside, or if they're in, you know, uh, Chicago, um, or if they're in Japan. You know, so the advertising that you do needs to be something that's globally accepted, globally recognized, and understood. And actually, social media is uniquely, you know, um, configured to do just that. You know, to cross certain boundaries.
2: Absolutely, so, absolutely, you know, and that's think. And we have
1: yeah, LinkedIn, like I- and uh, yeah, and, uh, and a bi-monthly e-newsletter uh, that that we send out to. We have a list of about thirty-six thousand uh, email addresses, and constantly shrinking and growing. You know, you gain some during the month. You send something out. Some you know people change positions and jobs. Those email addresses bounce. Some people want to opt out, but constantly growing and right about thirty-six thousand now. So every two months you know, there's an uptick because we send that information out. Here's what we're doing, and now we're including those social networking links in our newsletter. Each, You know, um, Facebook refers to Twitter. Twitter refers to Facebook. Uh, They both refer to the newsletter. The newsletter refers to both of them. Um, And, you know, we put other companies' information on our newsletter as well, and they are. So it's an ever-growing network.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and you guys, you're, you're you're doing a great job with that. Not only are you selling technology, you are leveraging technology and 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 marketing and and advertising has changed totally, and it's not just old school uh, traditional methodologies. Uh, social media has brought in a new face and a new way to communicate globally, as you mentioned, Jacqueline. Yeah.
0: And and, and to tie into that, and that's one of the things about longevity um, and and staying in the game, especially with IT because it's constantly changing. And, uh, again, to our audience, we're talking with Charles Clark, uh, owner of AVS, A Better Solution Consulting, um, and talking about as a a business owner. and, And as we wrap up this hour, which we've really enjoyed with Charles and um, and we thank our, our guests who are on the phone with us tonight, uh, those who are listening online, as always. Um, great stage advice. And uh, also, listen closely. You might have to uh, rewind and listen to this interview again, because Charles got a couple of zingers in there. <laughs> but uh, we, we enjoy your, your sense of humor, Charles, and, and for being our guest. But I want to ask you one last question, and that is from your perspective, having been in and and, and stayed in the game through the ups and downs, what do you see? What are some of your thoughts as far as predictions of the industry, the, the, the job market around uh technology and even for entrepreneurs who might want to start uh, be where you are in in a few years from now? What would either advice and also what predictions do you have for this industry?
1: Well, everything that I'm gonna say you have to understand that I'm an optimist, so um and I see the glasses uh half full as opposed to half empty. You know, if uh um those who know me know that if you say, Well, um, if I uh say let's go to dinner and you say, Well, I don't want to go out to dinner with you now, I'll focus on the now. Okay, so that means tomorrow we can go out to dinner, right? You know, so it's 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 some of it's what I choose to see, I choose to focus on just that. Uh, you know, the positive things and make them happen, because I know that there's always something that's going to pull you in a negative direction. There's there's an inertia that does that, and you have to fight that. Uh, one of the changes that I see is, uh, and I and again, I could be wrong, but I think that there's a lot of software out there that are you know, trying to go from a, a land solution because, you know, people and things used to be very close together when they're working on a project, and that space is larger. So the, the wide area network, or the WAN, at different speeds, and a lot of the tools couldn't work in a WAN. Well, and so they're coming up with products that work over a WAN, so, you know, a wide area network, not only, like multiple cities. And I think that the the transport mechanism to get data from one location to another is improving so fast that at some point in time, it'll get back to a LAN. but it's not that we're going to only work... Locally, it's just that I believe in five years, Atlanta to Japan will be land speeds as far as network goes. All right. So the tools that work today will still – they might not work right now and you have to go to the you know, to WAN tools. But at some point in time, I think uh, the speeds are such and the amount of data that you can push from one remote location to another are going to be such that the same tools or the same types of tools that we used five years ago that we're running from now all right, uh, we can run back to those tools. They work well. We had to sacrifice some things to, you know, to get the software to work between different cities and different countries. All right, we sacrificed some small features because you couldn't get those features to work on a WAN because of the latency. Well, I think that that's that problem is solving itself actually. Uh, so I think at some point in time, uh, there's going to be um, a uniformity of tools because you don't have to have local tools, and then tools that work with geographically distributed, you know, software developer sites. I think it's going to be one tool. Uh, Right now we're getting that, but it's a WAN solution where you're pulling stuff and it works, and there's some smart in a repository, but there's that latency. I think that latency is going to go away, and, you know, we'll be back to the tools that can do anything and everything because we don't have to worry about the distance anymore because maybe we are getting the same, you know, sub-15 millisecond speeds between – here in japan like we did between here and another building across campus you know or another city in the region yeah. so i think that's that's one of the changes that i see um is that uh, that technology is going to adjust uh to go back to the fact that the transport mechanisms are getting so much faster so much better i think even faster than software is to a degree um, i yeah. think there are going to be improved job opportunities um again i um, I'm not looking completely globally across all fields like an economist would. I'm looking in my field, and I think as long as there's always problems to solve um, and difficult problems are on the horizon, there will be a place for people, you know, with degrees that are centric on computer science like mine, Um, you know, IT. IT. Yeah, IT can't go away because the world couldn't handle it going away. Absolutely it truly is too big to fail, it's IT. Banks have been proven not too big to fail, <laughs> but IT will eventually win out.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I agree with you. Um, I think everything happens as far as transports are concerned in like five to ten year spans. And uh, we see it every day. We've gone from... Metro, uh, we're going uh, uh, from T1 and T3 to, over to fiber to MPLS, and uh, Metro Ethernet, Metro Gigabit, and Gig Ethernet, and it's just a matter of time before they solve the latency problems of transnational, uh, transcontinental communication. Mm-hmm. You're right on, You're spot on on that uh, thought pattern. I mean, so, I remember when I was at Hitachi,
1: I had a 386, and I had a, I was the first person I knew with a gigabyte hard drive. And I thought, I'll never use all that, never in a million years, you know, back when there were floppies. And now I've got – I carry 30 gig on my keychain, you know, just for, you know, for giggles because I might need to take a picture <laughs> or something. I might need to get a document from somebody. You know, we have, you know, 120 gig on our smartphones. um, First of all, that's how the world has changed. Think of it—you carry more computing power in your phone than the computers that that went up, you know, the early moon flights. You know, by a long shot. You're right.
2: You're right. You're absolutely right. And thanks for sharing that, y'all. Then, and that's his vision into the future on transport and how ABS is going to leverage the technologies of tomorrow to uh, remain successful as they've been. Charles, it's been a great hour. I wish we could talk more, and uh, I look forward to having you on the show again to tell us what's new, what's next for ABS Consulting, and how you leverage the technologies of our near future to remain um, consistent and relevant in the future of technology.
0: And I also think our our audience made up a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs, got a lot of inspiration from this conversation tonight. We thank you for being so open and for sharing. Thank you, Charles.
1: right. Well, I appreciate it. it. It flew by. I was uh, nervous about, you know, an hour. You know, who thinks they have an hour of anything? You know, to say it, it just flew by. I got more stuff I want to talk about. I Even mean, it's just it's a, it's amazing when technical people get together. Um, you could talk
2: forever. Visit our website portal at www. Absolutely, and I
0: want to say that our microphone is open to you. Um, and we will have you back on the show, so just queue up those notes. Don't don't throw those away. We're definitely going to have you back on the show, and whatever you want to dive into, we're ready to to host it and have you back. It was very informative, and I know that our o- audience appreciates it.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and don't forget to visit us at abs-consulting.com. Um, I, I, you're not going to have my father yell at me because because I didn't say it, so I had to
3: say it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> anytime. And also, look for we've posted more about ABS and how to get in contact with them, how to follow um, and, and to um, to get on their Twitter feed so you can see the type of information that they're providing through Twitter. Also, their LinkedIn handle will be posted. Um, stay tuned for when we have Charles back on the show. This is Technology Expresso Radio Café www.technologyexpresso.com And we look forward to hearing from you If you'd like to give us suggestions For future shows Email us at technologyexpresso At gmail.com That's technology E-X-P-R-E-S-S-O At gmail.com Good night Thanks everyone Bye bye Thank
3: you
2: You've been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com for a full list of broadcast archives, social media handles, and upcoming shows. Keep up with Technology Expresso while on the go by texting the word LAUNCH to 41411. That's texting the word LAUNCH to 41411. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, listen, learn, leverage, launch.